Last night belonged to Kamala Harris, as Democrats celebrated her as the first black female ever to run for vice president on the Democrat ticket. The evening began with a list of her accomplishments, like, for instance, being the first black female ever to run for vice president on the Democrat ticket. In doing this, she was not only black, but also female, and not just female, but also black. And not female, then black, or black, then female, but actually in a state of being both black and female simultaneously, which incredibly she can also do backwards by being simultaneously female and black. Obviously, this proves that anyone who would oppose Kamala Harris either doesn't like blacks or doesn't like females, or maybe so evil that they don't like black females, when after a life of many trials and setbacks, Kamala Harris has managed to become both. To celebrate her startling achievement, Democrats showed a brief biographical documentary entitled Kamala Harris, Black Female. The documentary traced Harris's meteoric meteoric rise from black female 29-year-old who was appointed to two patronage posts worth over $150,000 a year by her married 60-year-old lover. From there, it was only a short hop to becoming a black female district attorney who withheld evidence that might have gotten innocent men out of prison and off death row. Her historic journey continued when she became a black female California attorney general and took over $80,000 in campaign contributions from Planned Parenthood before protecting them from being prosecuted for selling body parts from the babies they had exterminated. Then it was on to the Senate, where Kamala Harris became a black female senator whose votes were rated the most left wing of anyone, including avowed communist Bernie Sanders. Yes, hard as it is to believe, Kamala Harris did all this while being black, female, black and female, female and black, flack and gmail, smack and shemale, and every other combination of identities that might protect her from charges of near absolute corruption. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray! It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray! Oh, hooray, hooray! All right, last show before the Clavenless weekend descends upon you like a mallet blow from the heavens. Uh, if you want to see the show, you want to see our openings, which will only run uncut and unedited. <laughs> this one may not even make the pages of the Daily Wire, but you want to see it. It's on the uh, Andrew Claven YouTube channel. So please go on and subscribe specifically to my uh, Andrew Claven YouTube channel. And if you want to leave a comment, and if it's anything more than blubbering uh, insanity or insipidity, uh, we know it'll raise the level of conversation on this show. So we'll read it on the air. Uh, we have one today from Adam Nen, who says, I like it more when Claven says a former newspaper referring to the New York Times than when my wife uh, talks dirty to me. Uh, Adam, you might want to see someone. <laughs> about that. I have to issue a correction. Speaking of the New York Times, a correction in the New York Times is when they lie. And then in a little space where no one will see it, they tell you that they lied. And so no one sees it. We want to tell you right up front. I made a mistake. I was talking about axioms, which are uh, truths that are self-evident that don't have to be proved. And I said in mathematics, uh, an an axiom is uh, A plus B equals B plus A. That's not correct. Uh, It is A equal, if, if A equals B, 
then B equals A. That's the axiom I was trying to get to in my muddled brain. Uh, the left has one like that, which is if A equals B, then a woman has a penis. Uh, so they have a little different axioms, but our axioms are the mathematical ones. I've been talking this week about how to define the conservatism of the future, the idea of being a friend of the founding instead of some scurvy New York Times troglodyte who thinks the founding is evil because racist, racist, racist. Being a friend of the founding means believing that the right to personal liberty is given by God, not by government, and that government's first job, most important job, maybe only job, is to secure that liberty. What being a friend of the founding doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we have to reject every liberal social change that extends God-given freedoms to previously excluded groups. Sometimes the left gets that right. It doesn't mean we should be complacent about inequalities that allow the strong to oppress the weak. If our right to liberty is God-given and government is there to protect it, government can protect it even from private power centers like big corporations or rioting communist terrorists like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Being an FOF also doesn't mean giving in to the natural conservative tendency to preserve the way things are. This is important. It's now a time when legislators don't legislate, when unelected bureaucrats can pass regulations with the force of law, when the Supreme Court has given itself the power to interpret the Constitution out of existence, and when presidents for both parties are playing king by means of executive orders and selective enforcement. At this point, conservatism has got to be progressive. By that, I mean we have to begin the work of bringing the government back within the reaches of its constitutionally enumerated powers. And this may mean a new constitutional vision. It may mean amendments like limiting the power of bureaucrats in the courts and forcing the legislature to make laws that everyone can read and understand. Conservatives are not really conservatives anymore because there's very little of the founding left to conserve. We need to stop playing defense and whining about what the left is doing and start developing a positive liberty agenda to create a system that brings the founding into the 21st century. This may seem ambitious, but leftists are burning our cities and our values to the ground. What better time to fight back with everything we have got? I don't know about you, but here in um, in California, you know, people are stealing stuff right off your doorstep. Uh, I don't like to live a paranoid life. Uh, but it, it, Ring helps you not live a paranoid life because you can keep track of what's going on outside your house all the time. Ring has uh, doorbells that have cameras on them. You can get the cameras on your phone no matter where you are. And even if you're in the house, if you're not at the door, you can look at the door, talk to anybody who comes to the door. Uh, it, it has systems that will turn on spotlights if anybody walks onto your property. And with the all new Ring Video Doorbell 3, you can e keep an even closer eye on things than ever before. With outdoor security cameras, you can check on every part of your house and never miss a moment. So you don't have to be paranoid because you know what's going on. Get a special offer on the Ring Welcome Kit when you go to ring.com slash Clavin. The Welcome Kit includes the Ring Video Doorbell 3 and Chime Pro. It's all you need to start building custom security for your home today. Just go to ring.com slash Clavin. That's ring.com slash Clavin. Wherever you are, someone comes to your door, you can ask them, how do you spell Clavin? If he knows, it's okay. <laughs> If he says that, if he sings like that, let him in. There but uh, <laughs> otherwise, get your gun if he knows how to spell Clavin. Uh, so yesterday, Kamala Harris uh, accepted the Democrats nomination. That was the big thing at the virtual convention. And I just I was looking at this uh, article by Madeline Osborne in the Osborne in the Federalist. Uh, and she writes about this case that I just think is Incredible. Uh, this David uh, Delayden case. Uh, David Delayden was the guy who went into a Planned Parenthood in California and got secret videos uh, of them talking about uh, selling the bodies of dead babies. Uh, here's a little cut from that video. 
If we can kill all the babies, we can have sex, sex, sex for everyone all the time and use the bodies of our children to keep us alive forever like these people here. So that was actual video of Satan that David Daleiden got at Planned Parenthood. Actually, I did that after <laughs> I did that video after he did it. Uh, the Daily Wire was so stunned by it they wouldn't put their name on it, but they would they would do it today. They now uh, get my my sense of humor, and they would do it today. So, what was the reaction in March 2016? 16. This is from the Federalist. As the California Attorney General Harris met with six Planned Parenthood officials in her Los Angeles office, email records between Harris's office and Planned Parenthood officials show the two were corresponding on orchestrating the public responses to the videos, filing police reports, and even drafting legislation targeting Daleiden for his undercover videos exposing the abortion giant's illegal practices. Two of the six executives in that meeting went on to be used as witnesses in Harris's criminal investigation of who of Planned Parenthood? Nope, of Daleiden. Daleiden is still fighting that case. Nothing has happened to Planned Parenthood while Kamala Harris was making her speech, accepting the nomination for Vice President Daleiden, was is fighting this case in court. This is an amazing, amazing story. And, you know, it's amazing that the press doesn't stand up. I know they love abortion. I know killing babies is one of the press's favorite things. But you think they would stand up for the guy in terms of being a journalist. But no. However, the big news, the really big news at the was Obama yesterday. And I I have to I just have to play this because I'm sure you know the expression O face, which is the face people make when they have an orgasm. Well, with O, Obama, when Obama came in, the press went right back to the O face they made during eight years of a crappy economy, eight years of complete malfeasance in the Middle East, eight years of the kind of corruption of oppressing the Tea Party. Remember the evil Tea Party, the evil Tea Party that came out and made had peaceful demonstrations uh, for less government and less government spending cleaned up after they went home so that they left their demonstrations and everything was neat. And the press was just, oh, my, this is horrible. The racism, the, the evil, the violence, it's getting dangerous. They were actually, they seriously were people, say, anchormen saying to reporters, be careful out there. Be careful out there among the Tea Party. You know, these people, just ordinary people protesting, uh, wanting a smaller government. Now we have Black Lives Matter rioting and ha- we have the press telling us that they're great. It's mostly people. Yeah, sure. People being beaten into n- insensibility. But it's mostly, mostly peaceful. It's only a few hundred people every night burning the city to the ground, but it's mostly peaceful. So with as always, I always say this about the way they cover Donald Trump. The way they cover Donald Trump is shameful and dishonest, but I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind if they were out to get him, if they were out to get everybody. Like the old reporters, old reporters were out to get anybody with power. If you had power, old reporters wanted to get you. Why? Because... It used to be that journalism was a field that people came got into if they didn't have a college education, but they were smart, but they could write. You know, if they were, it's a lot of working class guys used to be reporters. Once being a reporter became professionalized, once there were journalism schools, once there were journalism classes at schools, then it became something that upper class people did. Upper class, class people are the power. And so they report on who serves their power positively and the way they report on Obama. Let's just take the networks. Here's a montage of the networks reacting to Obama's speech. Talk about an O-face. This is cut six. 
You took his shots at Donald Trump, but mostly this was a speech about democracy. And what a setting in Philadelphia, the city of our founding, the 1776 Declaration of Independence, the museum that holds those documents. There he was saying in the starkest terms, do not let them take away your democracy. And the unprecedented attack by Barack Obama on his predecessor is something that he had resisted doing until John Lewis's funeral, but he really came out tonight against Donald Trump. Pretty amazing, but he said democracy is at stake. Really restrained passion there from Barack Obama, calling on a new generation of Americans to echo the ancestors who made our democracy work. It will be eloquent, but it will also have edge. I remember the night that he accepted the, the nomination from the party, what that said to my mother, a, a, a black woman. I think now this historic night, his presence, what it says uh, about his tenure, but also what it potentially says about Kamala Harris and what that says about America. This was a speech about Donald Trump and the fact that what he is doing is going to tear democracy apart. Now, I don't want to play too much more of that because that incisive look, that really digging deep into the meaning of the speech and the fact checking, it's just going to overwhelm you with uh, you know, wisdom. I don't want the wisdom to come pouring out of your ears and to make those of who are less wise uh, look bad. So I'm not going to play too much of the network's uh, just incisive, down deep digging uh, into the meaning of that speech. But I just want to play a little bit of the speech. I don't want to play too much of it because you can watch it yourself. But there's one thing that really got to me. Here's cut 12. I'm in Philadelphia, where our Constitution was drafted and signed. It wasn't a perfect document. It allowed for the inhumanity of slavery and failed to guarantee women, and even men who didn't own property, the right to participate in the political process. But embedded in this document was a North Star that would guide future generations. A system of representative government, a democracy through which we could better realize our highest ideals. What a jerk. The guy's a jerk. I mean, first of all, every part of that is it, it's not exactly untrue. It's just completely un, without context. I mean, it was the most liberal document, governing document of its time. The only thing like it that had ever been written. It was one of the shining stars of the Enlightenment of, Euro of European culture, which was one of the great, which was the greatest culture that ever existed on Earth. You know, he talks about his imperfections, that it allowed slavery. Absolutely true. That's fair. But that it didn't allow women and people without property to vote as opposed to whom? Who is he talking about? It was the most uh, free, most uh, self-governing document, uh, really, of its kind ever written. Uh, and, and the North Star in it was not democracy. It was liberty. It was not democracy. And the, thing, and the way you can tell the difference is what he said about the people rioting. This is cut 19. To the young people who led us this summer telling us we need to be better, in so many ways, you are this country's dreams fulfilled. Earlier generations had to be persuaded that everyone has equal worth. For you, it's a given, a conviction. And what I want you to know is that for all its messiness and frustrations, your system of self-government can be harnessed to help you realize those convictions.
He's talking to people who are looting stores, burning down, uh, you know, city government buildings. He's talking to people who have beaten people unconscious. He's talking to rioters and looters and telling them that they are the realization of democracy. And you know what? He's absolutely right. That's what democracy looks like. It's not what a democratic republic looks like, which looks like the rule of law where the majority has a voice and, and the, where there are systems to channel people's votes into political power. It is not. It is not an expression of democratic power to terrorize an entire city like Portland has been terrorized for months on end. And this is the problem. This is their idea of democracy is you you go out and you terrorize people until they kowtow to you and we get all the power that funnels all the power to us. Trump's response to this, by the way, I, I love this response to this because it's absolutely true. Donald uh, uh, Barack Obama was an incompetent. He wasn't just corrupt in the sense that he did unconstitutional things, in the sense that he silenced uh, Tea Party voters by using the IRS, in the sense that he used the State Department to lie about his malfeasance in Benghazi, uh, in the sense that he used the Justice Department to spy on an opponent's uh, campaign, which is just an incredible breach of, of constitutional uh governance and ethics, which if if Donald Trump had done anything like that, if he'd done anything like that, it would be all the news all the time instead of the fake story that it generated, which is still news. They're tr still trying to sell this grassy knoll of a conspiracy theory uh, about Donald Trump. Trump's response was absolutely right. This is cut one. When I listen to that and then I see the horror that he's left us, the stupidity of the transactions that he made. Look what we're doing. We have our great border wall. We have security. We have uh, the UAE deal, which has been universally praised, praised by people that aren't exactly uh, fans of Donald Trump for various reasons. I don't know why. It can't be my personality, but they're not fans, right? And when I look at uh, what we have, and I look at how bad he was, how ineffective a president he was. He was so ineffective, so terrible. Slowest growing recovery in the history, I guess, since 1929 on the economy. Don't forget, until the China virus came in, we had the greatest economy in the history of the world. And now we're doing it again. I'm going to have to do it a second time. We're doing it again. <laughs> you know, absolutely fair. And, you know, this is the thing. Obama, when Obama was elected, a conservative friend of mine who hated Obama, you know, I was hoping for the best, you know, what, what was the point of not hoping for the best? Now, but a conservative friend of mine said, you know, the worst thing about this is because there's been such a terrible financial crash, the financial, the, the economy will come bouncing back. That's what it does. It comes bouncing back and who will be uh, given credit for that bounce. And essentially, he sat on that bounce, that bounce, which should have been the recovery that Donald Trump engineered when he came into office. It should have been that recovery. Instead, it was this slow, slow recovery with fake uh, um, unemployment numbers because they uh, so many people dropped out of the employment lines that they didn't get counted anymore. So many people joined the gig economy, which was not the same thing as the kind of employment that Trump has been engineering. Uh, so it was a really crappy recovery that Obama stomped on with regulations and with Obamacare and with all the bad uh, deals he did. And overseas, I mean, when Trump talks about that UAE deal, the Israeli peace deal with the UAE, which now may become a peace deal with the Sudan, uh, which could lead to really widespread recognition of Israel. Uh, you know, what was what was Obama doing? And this was something that happened at the other night at the convention where uh, John Kerry, the worst secretary of state in history, got up and said, oh, they did such so badly. It is 
it's so, it's this O face that the press gives Obama that reminds us of how bad their coverage is and how dishonest it is and how much we are living in a gaslight nation at this point. You know, I want you to go out and get yourself a rad power bike. And I'll tell you why, because I want a rad power bike. And if you buy a rad power bike, then they may send me one. They may say, well, good job. You sold rad power bikes and now you can have one. I want one. I really want one. It's a cross between a traditional bike and a moped. And it doesn't require a special driver's license like a moped would. You can go up to 20 miles an hour without pedaling. So you can get out and about without getting sweaty. Or you can also pedal. They're great for commuting. You can get out on the trail, hauling groceries, even transporting your kids on the bike. Unlike other e-bikes, they're actually affordable. Plus, to show appreciation for those that serve us, Rad Power Bikes offers 100 bucks off all e-bike purchases for active ex-military, first responders, teachers, and students. Rad Power Bikes offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. And right now, as a limited time offer, get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. That's right. Get a free gift of up to $100 in value and free shipping to the lower 48 states. To get this special offer, text the word Power to 64,000. That's power to 64,000. Text power to 64,000 for a rad power bike. So instead of covering honest things, instead of covering reality, they asked another one of these stupid questions of Donald Trump. This really gets me that, you know, why you just you just sit there and you see these people and you think, what why are you asking this question? In what way will this question benefit give new information to people. So the question they asked was about this uh, QAnon conspiracy. And the QAnon conspiracy, it's it's loopy, but they're supporters of Donald Trump, so he doesn't want to alienate them. So they had this exchange. I thought it was hilarious. People were running it like he was praising QAnon. He wasn't. He was clearly trolling the reporter. Uh, but here was the exchange. Also, the theory is this belief that you are secretly saving the world from this satanic cult of pedophiles and cannibals. Does that sound like something you are behind? Or well, I haven't, I haven't heard that, but uh, is that supposed to be a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, you know, if, uh, if I can help save the world from problems, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to put myself out there. And we are, actually. We're saving the world from a radical left philosophy that will destroy this country. And when this country is gone, the rest of the world would follow. <laughs> I thought I thought that was a hilarious response. But they're right. They're certainly right that, you know, conspiracy theories, uh, you know, can be damaging. Like, for instance, the Democrat conspiracy theory about the post office, uh, which they have been making a lot of hay on. And here is I mean, you want to see D, this is Dianon, Dianon, a Democrat Anon uh, cut seven. Say it directly. Is this an attempt by the president, do you believe, to interfere in the election? Absolutely. That are choking the post office, slowing it down. Uh, they will destroy the postal service. They'll do it because they don't want people to vote. This is nothing but a naked power grab to make sure that he can't be voted out of office. Do you yet have any evidence? What, if any, evidence have you seen? I can tell you, based on my reporting, we only have reports so far of these machines being removed. You want to look at where those machines were taken down. What precincts were these machines taken down? How many mailboxes were removed? Where are the mail sorting machines? What did you replace them with? Are they being replaced? We're on to everything he's doing. All of this seems perfectly planned. 
<laughs> you know, it's only a conspiracy theory when it's for Trump. You know, it's only on, on Trump's side. QAnon, the, the, the conspiracy theory is nuts. It's about, you know, like cannibals and pedophiles and all this. It's crazy stuff. But it's no crazier than the Russian collusion conspiracy. It's no cra- crazier than this stuff. So I don't know. Again, it, again, it's all about the one-sidedness of the press. Really, it really is. It doesn't bother me that, that Trump and Pelosi go after each other. That's politics. All that stuff it doesn't bother me that Obama goes after it. It's the idea that Trump is trash and Obama is from heaven. And, you know, with Obama, Obama was at least a talented politician. He wasn't the genius he looked like because of the press. But now they're pushing Biden on us. And it's it's kind of offensive. It's kind of offensive for them to tell us to gaslight us to the degree where we're not seeing what we're seeing. Newsbusters, one of my favorite websites, because they keep track of the dishonest press. Newsbusters put together what I think is one of their masterpiece uh, montages. I got to play a couple. I may play a couple of cuts from this because it's just so good. It's how the press has covered Biden to cover up for what he is. So no matter what Biden says, no matter what he does, no matter how foolish, no matter how stupid he looks, the press covers it up. So it's intercut Biden, what Biden says, and then the way it's covered. Uh, Play the first one. This is cut two. The first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and nice-looking guy. I mean, that's a storybook, man. There is a part of Biden that feels more Reagan-esque that way. You're like, ah, it's Grandpa. It's Uncle Joe. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Those oh-that-Joe moments are part of his political charm. I'm beginning to see why your wife left you. So much of what is appealing about him to a lot of voters is the fact that he's authentic. I got hairy legs. The fact that he doesn't always seem scripted. The kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. Your AR-14s are what? Okay, this is not okay. Hold on, hold on. All right. Hey, let's you go. Don't tell me this. There's a lot of guys. Biden yesterday uh, showed the other side of his humanity, uh, and that is he's a fighter. You're Thank you. And some people see that as charming, a candidate who's willing to air it out face to face with a guy. This is going to be a net plus for Joe Biden. <laughs> I can't do anything wrong. He's in a voter's face, putting his face and saying you're full of ass. It's like, it's fine. It's going to be a net plus for Joe Biden. This is, this is, you know, it's, it's deeply offensive. It is deeply offensive. It doesn't bother me when MSNBC does it. You know, I always tell them this at Newsbusters. You don't even have to cover MSNBC. They're openly partisan. It's like saying Sean Hannity is a conservative. Sean Hannity is a conservative. Uh, the left is uh, the left. MSNBC is the left. But this is the, this is the networks. This is CNN. This is people who pretend that they are reporters. And it, it's deeply offensive to be told that we don't see what we see. Uh, we don't hear what we hear. It is really an attempt. It's almost an attempt to drive us so nuts where we start to just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, maybe it's me. You know, maybe I, I'm not seeing it. I, I got to play another cut because one of my favorite things is covering up for the way he treats uh, little girls. Uh, I got to say, it, it makes me uncomfortable. Uh, you know that that there was that girl, not just, not just little girls, women too, the hands all over them, the face in their hair. Uh, who does that? You know, I mean, really, you know, I can I can understand a, a, a misstep. You know, you you react to somebody, you, you put your hand somewhere you may may be a little too familiar. But this is all the time. I can't remember the name of that little red haired girl. Was it Amy? I think where he sniffs her hair and she's cringing from it. This is in this and they cover this all up. Uh, this is cut three. Little hands-on treatment from the vice president. Everybody knows he's a touchy-feely guy, and he's just very friendly. He is. He was reportedly comforting her after she fell on ice. It's bread and love. Coon said Maggie was not uncomfortable at all. 
Maggie, not Amy, Maggie. I mean, the look on that poor child's face as this old man sticks his face into her hair. You know, again, if it were these are the referees, the press should be the referees. The press should act like the referees. They should be a meta profession, a profession that is above the fray, that is just looking at the fray. Sure, there's going to be some bias. People are going to come from the point of view they come from. But these guys are purposely hired to reinforce one another's opinions. They're per- purposely put together to reinforce one of one another's opinions and protect them from hearing contrary opinions. And they do that because leftism serves big corporations. Big corporations used to be conservative because they dealt with materials. Now they deal with information. They don't they're not responsible to reality anymore. They're only responsible to what they can sell. And leftism helps them by suppressing competition. It's that simple. However, we should stop complaining. You know, some of us may feel we have something to be bitter about, like them burning our cities and our trashing our Constitution and trashing our uh, values and our norms. But there are people who have much more to be bitter about uh, than we do, like this poor woman here. This is cut 11. Vote for honest elections so we, not a foreign adversary, choose our president. Vote for the diverse, hopeful America we saw in last night's roll call. And don't forget, Joe and Kamala can win by three million votes and still lose. Take it from me. So we need numbers overwhelming so Trump can't sneak or steal his way to victory. <laughs> at least, at least you know, that expression they have for women, now lean in, lean in. You know, you may not you may not like, uh, you know, going to work while your kids are home crying for your company, but lean into it, lean into it. So she's going to lean into her bitterness. I can't believe they let her do it. It was like Elizabeth Warren gave a speech to the uh, Native American contingent of the Democrat Party. I guess they just feel like they're just going to go for it at this point, that they, people are going to hate Donald Trump so much they won't care. Uh, let me just play uh, one clip of uh, Kamala Harris, which I just thought was kind of indicative of the whole uh, campaign, the whole convention so far. This is cut 22. Let's be clear. There is no vaccine for racism. We've got to do the work. For George Floyd, for Breonna Taylor, for the lives of too many others to name, for our children and for all of us. There's no vaccine for you, America. There's no vaccine. You are incurable. You know, I, I you, every time Donald Trump gets up and talks about the things that he finds wrong with America, it's dark and divisive. You know, even from his first uh, speech where he talked about the fact that the Midwest had been gutted had been gutted by this globalist philosophy of the left. Uh, and we had lost all these jobs and they had said uh, they had destroyed our manufacturing base and people were killing themselves, uh, you know, at such a level. Americans were killing themselves at such a level that our life expectancy overall went down and they were killing themselves with opiates and they were killing themselves uh, with alcohol and all the things that you do when you're unemployed, when you're hopeless. And this was all happening under Obama and nobody knew about it until a couple of researchers uh stumbled on it, basically, and surprised even themselves. And that was dark and divisive. But the idea that this country is racist beyond cure, the idea that this country uh, needs to be rioted, uh, you need to riot in this country because that's that's the absolute dream of the founders. The founders who were terrified of the mob, by the way, the founders who knew democracy, unfettered democracy led to the mob and were absolutely terrified of that, uh, that somehow the mob has become the expression of the founders' dream. It's also dishonest 
dishonest. And again, it wouldn't bother me to see politicians being dishonest. That's what politicians do if we did not have a press that basically echoes their lies, that echoes their lies and gives, makes an echo chamber of their lies and treats Obama like a saint and treats Donald Trump like the devil. When the truth <laughs> is almost the other way around at this point, although I won't say Trump's a saint, I will say Obama has really done a bad job. All right. I don't know where you guys are, but here in L.A., it is so hot. It has been so hot. And I, you know, I try to exercise a lot. I try to get out a lot. And every now and again, I just find myself, I start to think like, I'm exhausted. Maybe it's because I only slept 20 minutes last night, but it's not. It's because I'm dehydrated. Liquid IV, liquid IV will perk you right up. Liquid IV has a popular hydration drink mix. It tastes really good, tastes really good, and it hydrates you at a higher level than just plain water. And now they have a new line, the Energy Multiplier. It has about 100 milligrams of clean caffeine, so it gives you a replacement for coffee, uh, an all-natural alternative to processed energy drinks for a sustained energy boost throughout the day. It will keep you from fading in weather like we're having here. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Claven at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code Claven at liquidiv.com. Start fueling your adventures today at liquidiv.com, promo code Claven. You'll have so much energy, you'll just jump up and say, how, how do you spell Claven? It's K A V. A-N to me. I just make it look this easy. It's true. Tonight, it's time. It's come. You've waited. Tune in to a special all-access live stream watch party covering DNC with Matt Walsh. But to do that, you've got to be an all-access subscriber. That's our most exclusive membership tier. It gets you into all-access live. It gets you exclusive access to live online discussions with hosts. You get two leftist tiers tumblers when you subscribe. All you got to do is sign up at dailywire.com slash Clavin with coupon code access to get 20% off your membership tonight at 8.45 p.m. Eastern, 5.45 p.m. Pacific. There will be a watch party to cover the DNC with none other than the spectacular, the lovely, the talented Matt Walsh. Go over to subscribe. All right, we're back. We have a guest. But first, I just want to tell you breaking news that happened just as I was coming on the air. Former uh, senior Trump advisor Steve Bannon was arrested Thursday and charged with what federal prosecutors said was his role in a scheme to defraud hundreds of thousands of donors in connection with an online crowdfunding campaign uh, known as We Build the Wall. Uh, I don't know. You know, obviously, the guy, uh, Steve deserves due process. If he did that, it was incredibly stupid. Uh, people forget in most uh, criminal activities, the only professionals involved are the police. They live for this stuff and uh, give us give us money to build a wall and then we're going to take it, put it in our own pockets is not a mastermind crime. So hopefully Steve is not uh, guilty of that, but he was arrested. He was taken away. Carlin Borisenko, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Dr. Carlin Borisenko is an organizational psychologist, author, and now YouTuber political commentator. She has a really fascinating story that she told on a PragerU video a little while back. You should check it out. And she has been making a lot of trouble ever since. Carlin, <laughs> if you want to make trouble, you have come to exactly the right place. Uh, thank you for coming on. You. Well <laughs> Thank you. I, I think I am in the right place. <laughs> you committed the crime of changing. You were, would, is it fair to say you were a far lefty or were you just a lefty lefty? Um, I don't know that I 
was ever really a far lefty, but I was definitely a Democrat for over 20 years from the time I was 18 years old. And I'm not a Democrat okay. anymore. So how'd you go wrong? Where, where did your where did your criminal career begin? <laughs> My criminal career so far as becoming a Democrat or. <laughs> yeah, no, is leaving as leaving the Democrat Party. How did you become oh, a public? So, You're now public enemy number one on YouTube. So oh, I just, I just want to know. apparently so. So, no, it actually started about a year and a half ago in, of all places, the knitting community, because I'm the a knitting. knitter and social okay. justice came and took over my knitting community as it has many other places. And I saw lots of really good people being bullied and mobbed and ostracized. And at some point it kind of dawned on me that these were people that I had politically aligned myself with. And I wasn't comfortable with that. Now, at the same time, I have a husband who was hiding exactly how conservative he was for me for mm. a long time. We just didn't talk about politics. And he said to me one day, he said, Carlin, you should watch Ben Shapiro. You'd really like Ben Shapiro. And I said, no, Victor, <laughs> Ben Shapiro is Satan. And but eventually he wore me down. But you and were right start- about that. That's really- <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. but, but eventually he did wear me down and I started listening to voices that I disagreed with. And it kind of culminated with me going to a Trump rally the day before the New Hampshire primary. Wow. So you you went to so you're still ba- basically a Democrat and you actually went to a Trump rally. That was actually pretty brave of you. What was that experience like? Well, I have to tell you, I was very nervous and I was still a Democrat yeah. at the time. So I kind of eased into it because MSNBC was doing a live taping about three blocks away from the rally. And so I went there first to kind of get my feet wet <laughs> and was just kind of making conversation with people. And one woman actually offered me her pepper spray when I told her I was going to go over to the Trump rally. <laughs> they did not want me to do it at all. But I was definitely nervous. But the crowd at Trump, the Trump rally was great. I mean, there were no no Klansmen in sight, no Nazis in sight. They were just good kind of salt of the earth people. And I had a wonderful time. It was like a rock concert. <laughs> you know, it, it is funny because when people visit, when liberals or former liberals ve- visit the Daily Wire, one of the comments we get all the time is, gee, people are so nice here as opposed to at left wing venues. So you say you're not a Democrat anymore. How would you no. define where you stand now? So I'm an independent now. I did not register as a Republican. I kind of see myself as like a a centrist more than anything else. Frankly, I just want common sense and I want people to have conversations and find ways to compromise with one another. And I think if we start with that as our goal, that's a pretty good place to be. And you had this one story that I'm still reading about that you got kicked out of a hotel. Is this true? Dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very true. (laughs) So I have been traveling around the country with the walkaway campaign doing these um, rallies to rescue America. And we went to Baltimore, we went to Beverly Hills, and we just went to Milwaukee last week. And I've been wearing a MAGA mask around because for a couple of reasons. First off, if I'm going to be going forced to go through the absurd exercise of wearing a mask, I'm going to wear the one that's going to annoy them the absolute most that I possibly can. But also because I really believe that people should stand up for their beliefs. I'm going to be voting for Donald Trump and November. And if I'm telling people that they should be standing up and saying, here's what I believe, then I have to model that behavior myself. So every rally that we've been to, the hotels that we've stayed at have been, well, let's just say less than welcoming when I walk in there wearing a MAGA mask. And so at this hotel this past weekend, I walked in there unapologetically wearing the mask. And um, I, I cannot prove that what happened was because of the mask, but I do know that they were treating me very, very poorly as a customer from the moment I walked in there. And then um, and so I could kind of uh, gone back to my room and just said, "Okay, I'm just not going to leave my room. I'm not going to bother anyone around seven o'clock at night. Well, around 11 o'clock at night, they come and bang on my door when I'm fast asleep and they say, you have 10 minutes to get out of the hotel. 
And I, yeah, so I was shocked. And they said, well, you, we have witness reports that you've been running up and down the hall, banging on doors and harassing people. Now this never happened. The hotel has yet to provide any evidence that this happened. There's, this is going to be like the first time in history where a, a significant group of people have been harassed by someone and there's no video evidence of it at all. And so they kicked me out of the hotel in the middle of the night. They actually forced me to leave the property entirely because they threatened to arrest me if I didn't. And so I was um, standing on the middle of the road in the dark of night by myself with all my stuff waiting for a ride to come get me. So not not the most fun experience in the world, I have to say. Have you are you going to take any action against them or are you just going to shrug it off? I really didn't want to. I was really trying to find a way just to move on from this. But now the hotel has released two statements, um, essentially accusing me of a bomb threat that they received. Because I, I posted my story on Twitter. People know the story. And, I, you know, but but they, they've accused me of a bomb threat. They actually have their employees posting on the Internet that I'm responsible for a bomb threat. And wow. that, that is just simply not true. And so I feel like now I've been pushed into a corner where I kind of have to take action and I'm um, reaching out and talking to lawyers to see what my options are. You know, when I, I I kind of transitioned, as we now say, from the left to the right, I was never like you. I was kind of a standard liberal. Uh, and it was really the left that left me, not the other way around. But I was working in Hollywood, which and it became very difficult for me to do. You're a psychologist. Now, the psych- psychological community is virtually 100 percent left. I mean, it is yeah. really into leftist uh, doctrine and uh, it's very hard. I know when I talk to conservative people who have psychological problems, it's very hard for them to find a therapist who is helpful to them. Have you gotten any blowback professionally for this? Oh, ab- absolutely. And especially because I kept speaking up after my original story went viral. I mean, the I, I, I'm an organizational psychologist specifically, so I work with businesses. And right now, anti-racist okay. training has taken over everything. Yeah. And that's just an absolute nightmare. But also, I mean, you're absolutely right. I've gotten, I've heard from now several different sources that the, the APA, the American Psychological Association is actively trying to inhibit the publication of research that it perceives to be too pro-cop. So, I mean, this is this is actually a big problem. We don't have access to the yeah. information we need to actually make substantive changes because the organizations responsible for it are prohibiting it. Yeah, it's it really is a problem. It's a problem for uh, couples therapists where the guy may may feel that he's being uh, penalized unfairly. It really is. It really is a huge problem. Um, so where, where if you said you're going to vote for Donald Trump. Yes. Where where are there places where you feel like, wow, you wish the right would change about X, Y or Z? Um, I really wish that the right would come out with a more comprehensive uh, health care plan, to be honest. I, I, I really I've gotten in a lot of trouble sure. lecturing the right, saying that you guys have not presented a plan on health care. And then I hear, well, Carlin, we just want the government to be out of health care. And I said, well, fine, that still requires a plan. Give me some that's sort right. of vision. Give me some sort of like transition plan. Um, so I think that that's something I would like to see him do. I think Donald Trump, I mean, to be really honest, um, if he came out and just like legalized weed, I think that that would be pretty great. I think he <laughs> would score a lot of points with me on that. Um, but overall, I mean, I actually agree with Trump on a lot of things. I think he did a great job by the economy. And that's really, if anyone can make the economy rebound, it's Donald Trump. And that, I think, is one of the things I'm primarily concerned with right now. 
What uh, what's happening on YouTube? Are you I, I heard I saw on YouTube you were called single handedly the death of America, which I, I, <laughs> I, 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 I you know, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm honored, you know. <laughs> Well, yes. I mean, the conservative commentator, not the conservative, the socialist commentators on YouTube have uh, have had taken quite a few cracks at me lately. They actually, the quote that you read there is actually from someone reacting to my PragerU video that someone calling for civil conversation and dialogue and saying that my political opponents are not evil is apparently the, I'm single-handedly the death of America for that. But uh, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's basically all they've got. So, uh, Carlin Borisenko, I guess that's, is that where we find you on YouTube? Uh, or, yeah. or should, where that, should we look for you? Yes, that's the best place. Um, if you're looking for a hub for all my places, uh, drcarlin.com is is a good place to start. Yep. All right. Thank, thank you, Dr. Carlin. Really nice talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Well, we have come, I'm afraid, to the edge, the very uh, trembling brink of the Clavenless weekend. I know many of you uh, are we had plans, but <laughs> forget it now. It's over. Uh, I just, I, I, I want to say, as we come to the end, I guess uh, today will be the last, um, the, the last part of the convention. Uh, so Biden, Joe Biden, will get up and make, you know, ask the question that I think uh, is really uh, bothering America: Where am I? Uh, and we will have a backstage tomorrow, so I will be back. So it won't be the entirely uh, Clavenless weekend. But I, I have to say, coming through this convention, the only thing that I came away with is that. Uh, this remains, it remains a race between reality and the press. It re- remain, remains a race between the way things look and the things people say and what actually works and what actually happens in government. It's, it is an amazing, amazing challenge to watch people uh, sort of wade through the, the, this fog of lies that our media has put up uh, to get at the truth. But reality has a voice. And so we're going to find out if reality speaks loud enough Uh, to shout down the empire of lies. I got to stop there. Survivors will gather here on Monday. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 